morning, everyone. Glad y'all are here. Welcome to Chatham Community Church. My name is Jaime. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, just uh, want to say, uh, I hope everyone got through the storm unscathed. Uh, but for those that didn't, for those who still have needs, please talk to us before you leave. Uh, we've had people let us know needs they've had, and we've deployed people to help out, cutting trees, helping people out with whatever they've needed. So if you have a particular need uh, in light of the storm, or any need in particular, please don't leave here without talking to us as part of what we're here for, and we'd be glad to, to find a way to help you out. Um, I'm glad y'all are here this morning. If you happen to be a guest, great day to come join us. Welcome. Uh, I'd love to say hi to you b before you leave. So at the end of the service, I'll be in the back under the exit sign. Come say hi. Tell me your name, a little bit about you, how you ended up in Chatham County, and make sure you grab one of our welcome gifts before you head out. It's a way for us to tell you and let you know that we appreciate you and appreciate that you spent some time with us this morning. Last few years have seen an increase in the number of TV shows that occur in the uh, world that many of us came to know through the Star Wars movies. And the latest uh, of these shows is called Andor. Uh, it takes place in the years leading up to the events of the first Star Wars movie or episode four or A New Hope however you know that movie. And they the show follows a character named Cassian Andor, who ends up becoming a rebel spy. And I am sorely tempted to say that phrase in the Darth Vader voice, but I will not. Uh, in an early episode, Andor is trying to get away from some officers that are trying to capture him. And one of those officers, right, he's outnumbered, or one of those officers, right, they're doing a, a sort of a, a foot chase, they're on foot, he decides to go to their ship that they came in and piloted to sort of help out as they engage in this pursuit of Andor. And so he runs back to the ship. It's a great idea. He powers up the ship. He gets ready to soar. He lifts off. And soon after takeoff, he feels the ship jerk back and it gets thrown off kilter. See, while the chase was occurring, uh, friends of Cassian Andor have gone ahead and and, and with a chain attached a huge piece of scrap to the ship. And when that, uh, when that pilot took off, that piece of scrap sort of threw the ship off kilter and kept him from being part of the chase. It kept that pilot and that ship from soaring. Now, I'd be willing to bet that if we followed this pilot along on the rest of, this, on his, on the rest of his life, I can, I'd, be, I'd be willing to bet that he never again powered up a ship and took flight without first having a walk around to make sure nothing was attached to his ship. Nothing could keep him from soaring. Nothing would tie him down. Nothing might do significant damage because sometimes you got to check. Sometimes you got to check to make sure you can soar. We're in a series that we've titled Soar here at Chatham Community Church. And when, as we've been talking about soaring, we've been talking about this idea of thriving, of flourishing, of making a difference, of leaving a legacy, of doing things that count. And it's the kind of life that we all want in some way or another, at some point or another. And that's because we were all made for that kind of life. We were made to soar. And while it's true that we were all made to soar and we all aspire to those kinds of lives at one point or another, it's also true that we're not always living those kinds of lives. We're not always living into what it means to thrive and to flourish. Now, sometimes we do things that keep us from thriving and flourishing. Sometimes things are done to us that keep us from thriving and flourishing. And 
if left unaddressed, if left unattended, if left unacknowledged, those things will continue to keep us from soaring. They will tie us down. They will throw us off kilter. They may even do damage. So today we're going to take a look at some of those things and make sure that we are looking around our ship to catch so that when we catch that upward current from God, nothing can sabotage us from soaring. Today we're going to talk about what it means to check for the things that can sabotage our soaring. So if you have a Bible, we're going to be in the Gospel of John. That is the fourth book of the New Testament, the fourth account we have of Jesus's life. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we're going to be in chapter 21. So if you happen to have a Bible or access to a Bible, you can pull that up. And if you don't, don't worry, it's going to be on the screen in just a second. We're going to start in verse 15 of chapter 21 of John. So go ahead and look that up if you'd like to. And if not, uh, I'll put it up in just a second. All right. Chapter 21, verse 15. Here we go. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are older, when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Now, let's, let's set the stage for us. This, this scene is occurring post-resurrection. Jesus has gone to the cross. He's been laid in the tomb. He's risen from the dead. The tomb is empty. And part of what that means is that for anyone who had been tracking with Jesus, particularly his close disciples, uh, Jesus has proven that he is who he said he was. That, he, that he's doing what he said he was coming to do. He has proven that he indeed is the Son of God, that all of life is wrapped up in him, that he is the one who has authority to forgive sins, that his healing power, his miraculous power is backed by a commission from God. He had spent the last three years with his disciples, and he'd been preparing them for what's about to happen. What's about to happen is that Jesus is going to ascend to heaven, and the disciples are going to be sent out to take his message throughout the whole world, to make disciples of the nations. They are going to continue his mission empowered by the Holy Spirit. He has been and is setting them up to soar. They are going to need to soar in this next season. And Peter is going to be at the forefront of the soaring. If you continue reading on in your Bible and you read through the book of Acts, Peter is one of the primary characters of the book of Acts and is sort of in the thick of thousands of people hearing the good news of Jesus, people being healed uh, and coming to know Jesus and sort of following in this Jesus way in the community that gets wrapped up in serving one another and supplying needs for one another in helping people who are in need in worshiping God. Peter is at the forefront of this. So Jesus is with them in this scene, this post-resurrection Jesus. He's with them by the sea and he has this exchange with Peter. 
This Peter who along with the other disciples is being set up to soar. This Peter who along with the other disciples is going to be part of this Jesus movement moving forward. This Peter who is going to be at the forefront of it all. He's with Peter among other disciples. And among the things he says to Peter are some invitations. He says, feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. Follow me. He is extending these invitations to Peter. Now, there is some symbolism here, but what I want us to notice is that everything that Jesus is inviting Peter to do is something he has already done, is doing, or will continue to do. He's already gone ahead and modeled all the things that he is asking Peter for, right? Picture the scene. They're sitting by the shore, by the sea, and the leftovers of breakfast are all around them before Jesus asks Peter to feed sheep and lambs. Who prepared that breakfast? Who served that breakfast to Peter and the disciples? Jesus did. Jesus fed Peter before he asked Peter to go feed. Jesus has been taking care of Peter over the last three years as he invites Peter to take care of others. Jesus is inviting Peter to follow him, and following him implies that Jesus goes ahead. Anything that Jesus is asking Peter to do is something that he's either already done or has modeled doing, either supplied for Peter or modeled doing. Jesus goes first, and Jesus goes ahead. Jesus leads. What soaring is going to look like in the next few years even in the next few months, can feel intimidating. It might feel daunting if you were to tell Peter, here's what's going to happen in the next few months. Here are the amount of people that you are going to speak before. Here are the authorities that you're going to be brought in front of. Here are the threats that are going to be levied to you. It might appear intimidating. But Jesus has gone first. Jesus goes ahead. Just like for Peter and the disciples, sometimes the idea of soaring or the invitation to soar might feel intimidating. The invitation to climb to new heights even in our lives as we soar might even provoke trepidation because it might feel comfortable where we currently are in the state that we're in, in the life that we're living. God's invitation might even feel like too big a risk, like it might be too costly. We may wonder at times if it's just too much and if we're being invited to give more than we might get back. Like we might be foolishly being invited to leap alone or to leap into nothingness. But here's the thing, friends. Jesus won't ask from us what he hasn't already given to us or modeled for us. Jesus will never ask from us what he hasn't already given to us or modeled for us. The pattern that's true in the Gospels is true throughout church history and is true to this day. Jesus goes first. Jesus goes ahead. Jesus leads the way. Jesus supplies what we need. Jesus is the one who loved with everything that he had to give, loved with his very life before he invites us to love others. Jesus is the one who serves the greatest need of humanity as he invites us to serve. Jesus is the one who asked God to forgive those who were crucifying him as he asks us to forgive those who have hurt us and done us damage. Jesus has gone 
first. Jesus has modeled a way. The path of soaring that we might be called to live is a path that Jesus has already walked. It's a path that he goes ahead of. And he does that to show us that what's on the other side, what's in the next step, what's at the next level is good. It's always good. And Jesus has already supplied what we need, will continue to give what we need, and is giving what we need right now. Jesus gives hope. He gives peace. He gives love. He gives joy. He gives wisdom. He gives grace. He gives mercy. He gives kindness. He gives so much more, anything that we might need to soar. Jesus is not going to hold back. Jesus will give because we were made to soar. And Jesus wants us to soar as he invites us to soar. The question is not whether or not Jesus has modeled or given what we need. That's not the question. The question is whether you and I are willing to see it, to believe it, and to receive it. Whether we're willing to see it, to believe it, and to receive it. When it comes to soaring, there is this encouragement in this idea that God goes first, that Jesus goes first, that Jesus provides, but there's also an implicit need from us and an invitation for us to receive. And here's why that's crucial, folks, because we can't give out of what we haven't received. We can't give from what we don't have. We can't, we can't, we can't manufacture what we haven't received from God. Some of us here may want to soar, and soaring is going to take Love, we may be empty. It may take mercy, and we may be empty. It may take peace, and we find we don't have any. We may not just be empty. We may be closed off from God. Closed off from the source of everything that's good, of everything that's needed, of everything that is there for us to receive, everything that we need to soar, to thrive, to flourish, to make a difference with our lives, to do things that matter. God made us to soar and provides what we need. So take a moment right now and check around your ship. Check your soul. Check your soul. Could it be that what's tying you down, what's keeping you from soaring, is that there's a place of emptiness, that there's something lacking that you desperately need? Maybe you haven't been aware of that, and today's the first time you're becoming aware that you need this thing, and you may be wondering, where am I going to get it? Wonder no more. God will provide. The question is whether you will receive. Now, there may be some of us who are resistant. We're empty, but we're resistant. We don't think that we need from God. If that's you, that's you. God has everything that you need not holding back. Receive it. Maybe some of us are cynical. We don't trust that God has provided, is providing, and will provide. Perhaps we've felt let down. Perhaps we've had bad experiences. Let's work through those things. Those things are valuable, important. They're worth working through. They're worth getting through for the sake of receiving what God has for you, for what he wants for you, which is to soar identify if there are ties, things that are tying you down from a place of emptiness. Identify the cause. It's time to cut those ties. You and I were made to soar. 
God wants us to soar, and Jesus has provided what we need to soar. There's no need to continue to be tied down, to continue to be thrown off course, to continue to be yanked back and thrown off kilter. Now, Jesus doesn't just extend invitations to Peter. He also asks him questions. Now, I know of someone who's done work on the power of questions. He studied it in a number of areas and disciplines. And uh, when this person is conducting interviews, every once in a while, uh, he'll, near the end, he'll drop in a question. He'll say something like, all right, so now that we've had this conversation, you've shared a good bit, uh, is there anything I should have asked that I haven't? Or anything you hoped that I would ask that I haven't yet? It's kind of an off-the-wall question there. But you'd be surprised how much that question unearths, how much it uncovers, how many avenues it opens that are worth exploring. See, a well-timed, sometimes unexpected question can often uncover a great deal. And that feels like what's happening with Peter and Jesus. Because these are the questions he asks him. Do you love me more than these? Do you love me? Do you love me? Now, Peter's had a rough few days. Right? Let's set some context as to why these questions are coming. Uh, near the time that Jesus was going to be arrested, Peter boldly declared that, he was, that, that his allegiance to Jesus. He boldly declared that he would be with Jesus, right? That he was going to just hang in there. Right? And, and bold declarations are kind of Peter's calling card, so no one was surprised by this. But here's this bold declaration from Jesus. And then Jesus tells him, actually, you're going to deny me three times. It's a hard thing to hear. Worse still is that then Peter goes on to deny Jesus three times. Three times he says things along the lines of, I'm not with him. I don't know him. We're not together. This is not a thing. There is no relationship. He goes as far from the allegiance he pledged as possible outside of actually physically attacking Jesus. And so the Peter that we find here is a Peter that's failed. Not just a Peter that's failed, but a Peter that's, that's not lived up to his word. And so there's guilt in this Peter. There's shame in this Peter. There's uncertainty about his place. This Peter had sort of had a, a commission brewing of, of who he was going to be as part of this Jesus movement before this, 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 this episode of failure. And so there may be some uncertainty about his place. He can't soar while he's carrying those things. He can't soar with guilt on him. He can't soar with shame on him. He can't soar with uncertainty about his place. They are weighing him down. This is the Peter who gets asked these questions. And Jesus asks three questions. It's hard to not imagine that those three questions, or the fact that there are three questions, are connected to three times that he denied. Now, this is an indirect culture, right? So they're not going to come right out and say it, but they're going to find ways to let each other know and let us know that something's going on under the surface. So even though there's no mention of denials, even though there's no mention about what happened, it's right there right there, because he confronts him three times. He's looking to get Peter to the point where he can feel the remorse of what happened without owning the shame. He's looking to get Peter to the point that he can see Jesus and see that Jesus is not condemning him for what he did. Jesus is forgiving him 
for what happened. He's looking to get Peter to the point where he can release the burden that he's carrying, that he's owning, that he's holding on to. Because there's work that God has already done and Jesus has already done to forgive the sin. But there's work that Peter needs to do to release the burden. To let go of the thing that's weighing him down. Friends, sin is a burden that will keep us from soaring. And there's a part in dealing with sin that's God's forgiveness. And there's a part in dealing with sin that's us releasing the burden. There's an animated show that I used to watch, and it, it takes place sort of in a martial arts culture. And there's an episode where there's combat going on. It's a tournament-type environment. Those of you who have done martial arts might be familiar with those sort of tournament environments. And there's a character in this show who specializes in hand-to-hand -hand combat, and he's particularly good at kicks, and he's fast. But he's matched up against this guy, and his quickness is not enough, and he is is losing in the area where he's always done well. And in the middle of the battle, in the middle of the contest, his master, his sensei, says something to him. And the character stops and he pulls up his socks. And what you find is that on his legs are attached these weights. And so he pulls off the weights. And they look like regular weights. But then when he drops them, the ground craters. May not have looked very heavy. The weight he was carrying him was significantly weighing him down. It was significant. When he drops them, he's not just fast. He's like lightning. The weight of sin is like that. It may not appear heavy, but it can crater us. It may not feel like it's holding us down, but it is keeping us from soaring. It may appear that we can function until we can't always keep us from soaring. So check around your ship. Check the state of your soul. Check the state of your soul. Is there sin that's weighing you down? Is there a burden that you're carrying because of something you did, a mistake you made, something where you failed? If so, today's an opportunity to seek, not just seek, but receive the forgiveness of God. There's no hoops to jump through. There's no sort of, sort of uh, checklist or, 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 or achievements to, to, to get before you get forgiveness. You can just seek and receive the forgiveness of God. But then after that, it's to you to release the burden of that. To release the shame. To release the guilt. To release the self-condemnation to release the voice, silence the voice that says, I'll never be enough. So as you check your ship, it's a good time to acknowledge that sin. It's perhaps the invitation today to feel the remorse. It's okay to feel the remorse. Is it perhaps yours to receive the forgiveness today? If so, do it. Maybe it's time to commit the path, to commit to a different path. Whatever it is, identify it, do it. And then take the final step. Let go of that weight so that you can soar. Let's stop carrying the weight that Jesus has already proven he can lift and carry for us and cast away from us. We were not made to carry that weight. We were not made to let it keep us down. Jesus has already accomplished what is needed to release it, to be free, to soar.
Now, it's not just the repetition that's significant about these questions. It's the questions themselves. It's the idea of asking about love. In some ways, asking about love takes the issue a level deeper. It's not the first time, right? This is not the first time that Jesus' mouth has run ahead, or sorry, Peter's mouth has run ahead of his character or maturity. Peter has a pattern of this. Right? Some might say Peter's mouth writes checks his body can't cash. Maybe his character can't cash. And it's not the first time he's done this in connection to Jesus. It's come up. It's been named. It's been addressed. And Peter has done it again. He might even be aware that this is an issue, that he's prone to talking a big game and not being able to deliver. Perhaps having failed at such an important moment, such a crucial situation in the way he did, it's possible that he may not, be, he may not just be carrying the weight of shame and the weight of failure, Perhaps he's also carrying the weight of hopelessness. The weight of hopelessness that he can change. Maybe he's doubting that he'll ever be the person who doesn't let his mouth write checks that his character or maturity can't cash. Maybe he's wondering if he's not cut out for the mission that Jesus has set before him. Maybe he's wondering if perhaps he's better off going back to his old fishing business. Maybe that's why he was fishing this morning, because that's what he was doing when Jesus encountered him. Maybe he's trying to ready himself back to go back to the life he had left in order to follow Jesus. Because there, talking more than you can deliver is certainly less of a liability than being part of leading the Jesus community that's about to emerge and about to develop. Maybe that's what's weighing him down. We all have patterns of sin. When I talk about patterns of sin, I mean areas where we are more prone to failing than others. We all have them. You have them. I have them. This was one of Peter's. Areas where we are more prone to failing. And when we fail in those areas, especially if we're aware that there are areas that we're prone on failing, especially if we've been paying attention to those areas, especially if we feel like we've been trying really hard to do better at those areas, when we fail, it just lands differently, doesn't it? can feel at some points like, this is hopeless. I can't even get this right when I'm paying attention to it. It can feel that way. It weighs differently. And Jesus knows that. Jesus knows that for us, and he knows that for Peter. He knows that this is Peter's weak spot. In fact, he commissioned Peter knowing that this was Peter's weak spot. And he asked him, do you love me? He could have asked Peter, why did you deny me three times? He could have asked, Peter, why didn't you just pull back on what you said when I told you you were going to deny me three times? He could have asked, did you even try to get it right this time? But he doesn't ask any of those things. That's not what he asks. He asks him, do you love me? Do you love me? What he's asking for is not an excuse or a reason or an argument for Peter to justify that he's going to do better next time. What he's asking Peter is to reaffirm his commitment, to reaffirm his love, to reaffirm that he is still with it, still willing to engage, still willing to follow. He's not asking him about how well he does, but about whether or not he's willing to stick with it, stick with Jesus, to trust him, to stick with the path of love. We all have areas like Peter. I'll tell you mine. My areas are pride, unholy anger, because there's holy anger, uh, unholy anger, 
hunger for intensity. And you'll hear that come out when I talk about food. So I love, I love food to the max. Caitlin's laughing because she knows, right? Intense experiences like that. I, I love to get the most out of life. Uh, and scarcity. The, the idea that there's not going to be enough. Those things come up for me all the time. I'm aware of that. Now, most days, I do okay. I do okay. But I remember that there were days when I was sort of intent. I was aware that these were things and these were challenges for me. And man, when I failed, it just hit me hard. I'd spend days depressed because I'd feel like, man, I've prayed, I've talked to people, I've, I've read scripture, I've done everything I can, and I still fail at these areas. What hope is there for me? Maybe I should turn back. I get frustrated with myself because I felt like I was done with these things. They were no longer going to be an issue. Now, I've moved beyond that point. I still feel remorse when I fall in these areas. But I've become aware that these are the areas where I am prone. These are the areas where I am weak. That's not to say I excuse them, but it's that I'm aware. So oftentimes when I'm feeling a challenge or I'm feeling stress, I start to look, okay, where is pride going to rear its ugly head? Where is anger going to rear its ugly head? Where is scarcity going to rear its ugly head? Where is the hunger for intensity going to rear its ugly head? And I commit to trying to resist. But even when I don't, I remember that God's invitation to me is to receive his forgiveness and reaffirm my love. That God asks me in those moments, like he did Peter, do you love me? Do you still love me? Are you willing to get up and go after it again? And my answer most of the time, I hope all the time, would be yes. Because we all have patterns. I talked about mine. I don't know what yours are. I don't know if you're at a point where you're frustrated, if you're at a point where you've given up. Maybe you're at a point where you've simply grown content and comfortable. There is a different path. There's a path where we're aware of these things, where we do what we can to resist them, but then when we lean heavily on the invitation to love, to reaffirm, to recalibrate, to recenter. Check around your ship. Check around your ship. Are there areas where God is inviting you not to continue to, to, to beat yourself up, not to give up, not to simply grow complacent with whatever the areas you are prone to falling in are, but to reaffirm your love. To meet that failure with a commitment to love. Get up. To go after it again. To continue after God. Today, the invitation is to check so you can soar. Which one is yours? Is the invitation for you today to receive something from God that you need in order to soar?